in this world, there's often such a confusing array of options. Like, for example, when you go shopping, we're faced with so many different products to choose from. In 2010, it was reported that the average American supermarket carried over 48,000 items. More than five times more than would be in the shops in 1975. And in UK, Tesco stocks 91 different shampoos, 93 varieties of toothpaste, and 115 household cleaners. Tropicana turns out more than 20 varieties of freshly pulped juice. And the online retailer Amazon offers over 24 million book titles. So much choice. And an article in The Economist described this overload of choices. It said this, Lattes come in tall, short, skinny, decaf, flavoured, iced, spiced and frappy. I have no idea what all that means. Jeans come flared, bootlegged, skinny, cropped, straight, low-rise, bleach-rinsed, dart-washed and distressed. Moisturisers, nourishes, lifts, smooths, revitalises, conditions, firms, refreshes and rejuvenates. Teenagers can choose to surf, chat, tweet, zap or poke in ways that their parents can barely fathom. While some of these choices have improved our lives, researchers also argue that the availability of too many choices causes anxiety, stress and overload. 2010 study by researchers at the University of Bristol found that 47% of respondents thought life was more confusing than 10 years ago. And 42% reported lying awake at night trying to resolve problems. So many options, so many choices. But it can just be overwhelming. And I think this applies also to the big questions in our life. The questions about our direction and our purpose of life itself. These days, I think it seems that there's an increasing number of different philosophies and belief systems, and religions, and lifestyles that we can choose from. And in the face of all of this confusion of options, it seems impossible to know which is the right way, which is the right path, which is the right direction to choose in our lives. It seems so confusing that some people just pick and choose. Little bits of of all of these different philosophies and religions and come up with a a homemade, uh, a make-it-up-as-you-go-along kind of spirituality. They say they're a Christian, but they also like a little Buddhism, a little of of Islam and a little of this and a little of that, a little bit of New Age in there as well. Or others, in that face of all of those myriad of choices, they say, well, they comfort themselves in saying that it doesn't really matter. Which choice you make. Because all roads lead to God in the end. The American TV personality Oprah Winfrey for example. She said one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe that there is only one way. Actually there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God. But into this mixed up and confusing world. 
Jesus spoke so simply and so clearly. In the Sermon on the Mount, he presented a clear choice. Not between myriad of options, but just between two. Two different options, two different directions that we can go in our lives. And we're going to read those amazing verses, just two verses from Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Verse 13 and verse 14. Listen to what Jesus said. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. As we've seen throughout this sermon, Jesus said that there are two ways to live. We can live a a blessed life or a life that's not blessed. We can live in the light or in the dark. We can live as a sincere worshipper or live like a hypocrite. We can store up guaranteed treasures in heaven or insecure riches on earth. We can serve God or we can serve money. We can pray as a child of God or we can worry as a stranger to God. And this kind of choice between two options is also seen lots of times in the Old Testament scriptures. For example, when Joshua stood in front of the nation of Israel, just near the end of his life, he declared, choose for yourselves whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then Psalm 1 presents us with the choice of either prospering like the righteous or perishing like the wicked. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And Jeremiah declared to his people, this is what the Lord says, see I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. And Jesus similarly presented us with two options in similarly stark terms. One option, he said, leads to destruction. Now he doesn't elaborate what he means here. But it's clearly pointing to the terrible reality of hell. Hell is the the final destruction of our connection with God. It's the ultimate separation from God. This is what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1. He says, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. And the consequence of this separation from God is the destruction and loss of everything good that God gives into our lives. The loss of love and community. The loss of beauty and joy. The loss of peace and hope. It is death in all its ultimate horror. And all of that is the terrifying consequence of sin because the wages of sin is death 
this doesn't need to be our destiny. Because there's an alternative option. One that leads to life. And this is what Jesus said that he had come to give us. John chapter 10 verse 10. I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. Life in all its fullness. Life that's filled with unconditional love. Unlimited joy, unshakable peace, unending purpose. It's a life that is abundant in every way that really matters. And it's a life that goes on for all eternity. Of course, the full experience of that life will only be experienced in heaven. But we can enter into the beginning of that right now. Because Jesus described this life ultimately as being in relationship with God. This is the eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this is the two destinies that Jesus presents here. There's no fudging of the issues. There are no grey areas, no middle ground, no sitting on the fence here. We have a straight choice between two options. We can choose life, or we can choose death. Heaven, or hell. Eternity with God, or eternity separated from God. I don't think you can get any clearer than that. Or any more important than that. And Jesus said these two destinies are determined by our choice of which gate we go through. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, Jesus said. It's wide because it's easy to pass through this gate. There are no restrictions, no requirements to leave anything behind if we go through this gate. We can bring all of our luggage, all of our baggage, our attitudes and beliefs, our actions and behaviour, our words and desires, bring them all. We could be very good or very bad. We could be a, a, a signed up member of a religion or the most irreligious among us. We could be sincere and caring or we could be completely selfish and bitter. But you don't need to change to get through this gate. We don't need to turn. That's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and so it's that sin that brings us through that gate that leads to death. Without us having to do anything else. Without us having to to try or to choose. The other gate? Well, that's much more restrictive. Small is the gate that leads to life, Jesus said. The gate is narrow and small because there's only one way to get through it. Now I know this must, this sounds intolerant and blinkered, even arrogant to suggest this today. 
But this is what Jesus said. He said we can't enter life any old way. We can't just follow our own ideas and our own thoughts. We can't just do our own thing and work in a walk in our own traditions and beliefs. We can't just do what feels right and hope to get there in the end. There's only one gate to life. And it has a narrow opening. So that we need to come in a very specific way. If we don't enter through this gate, then we are heading to destruction. So what is this gate? Well, of course, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The way to God is Jesus. The truth we need to follow is Jesus. The life that we all need is Jesus. He is the only entrance to life. Why is that? Why did God choose that? Well, it's not just some arbitrary choice that God has made. Jesus is the only entrance to life because he is the only one who has paid the price of our salvation. Only Jesus has taken the punishment that should have been ours. Only Jesus died as our substitute on the cross. Only Jesus took that death sentence that should have been ours. And so salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And we need to come through this gate by repentance and faith. As Paul declared in a Philippian jail, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. We need to turn from our old life. Leave everything behind. Our old attitudes, our actions and lifestyles. And we need to put our trust in Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. And if we do, if we do enter through that gate that is Jesus, then we can be absolutely sure that we are forgiven. That we have been set free. That we have been adopted into God's family. That we are saved. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. An amazing promise from Jesus that we can grab hold of and we can trust in completely today. And so the way to life is simple. It's just simply repenting and putting your trust in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that that life is easy. That doesn't mean that that road is easy. Jesus said that broad is the road that leads to destruction. The road to death is spacious and roomy. There are no awkward restrictions. No unpleasant demands put on us. There's plenty of room for diverse opinions and various moral standards. And so the road that leads to destruction is an easy path. 
We can choose to do our own thing. Follow our own path, live our own lives, and everybody else can live theirs as well. But although it feels like freedom, in reality it's the road to slavery. Because everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That broad road that looks so easy and so spacious and roomy for all of our own ideas actually traps us in a self-destructive behaviour and pulls us further and further from the person that we were meant to be. And ultimately it leads to death. Proverbs 14 and 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. But there is an alternative way. Narrow is the road that leads to life. In contrast with that other broad road, this road is restrictive. There are are clear boundaries which define our way of life and the kind of decisions that we should make. God's word tells us what we should believe and how we should live. And so there are demands made on us. Jesus said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This isn't because we're working our way to heaven, because we've already entered through the gate, we've already been accepted. But this is what it means to follow Jesus. And there's no place for that kind of easy believism in following Jesus. Just put your trust in Jesus and then live any way you want. Instead, Jesus calls us to radical discipleship. To live for Him in everything that we have and do and are. He calls for us to make a complete commitment to Him. To His Word and to His way. And this does bring difficulties and hardships into our life. Jesus had already warned his disciples about this in this sermon. That they were going to face persecution because they were followers of him. But he told them not to worry. Because they were still blessed. Blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me. We are still blessed. Because we are on that way to life. So the narrow way involves the challenge of discipleship. As well as the suffering of persecution. But it's the road to life everlasting. And true freedom. Jesus said if you hold to my teaching. You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But today, if we listen to the wisdom of this world, if we just followed the crowd, then we would think differently from Jesus. But the question is, should we listen to the crowd? People have got it wrong, right down through the history. And are we saying really that people are different now? 
This week I think we've seen another example in this world of sport. Sure, many of you, some of you maybe, knew about this. Last Monday night, Leicester City won the, the English Premier League champions for the very first time in the, in the top flight after a 130 year history. And it was accomplished with two games to spare. So many people celebrated their success and some have called, called it the greatest sporting shock ever. That's because at the start of the season, the majority thought this, this team would even struggle to stay in that league, never mind win it. And even the experts, well the so-called experts, got it way wrong. Matt Letizzi said about them, I think it will be a massive struggle for them this year. You can imagine him nodding his head and as if he knew what he was talking about. Robbie Savage, he said it will be a relegation battle. Michael Owen tweeted that Leicester would be in the bottom three of that league. And Gary Lineker, a, a lifelong Leicester fan, when their manager was appointed, he said, Claudio Ranieri, really? And now he's saying how wonderful he is. It's just another illustration of how popular wisdom is so often wrong. The majority is not always right. And that's crucially important for us to realise. Because Jesus calls us to be different from the majority of this world. Jesus said about that broad road that many enter through it. The easy road is a broad and busy thoroughfare. There's no shortage of people on it. The clear implication of what Jesus said here is that the majority of this world's population will be on that road. But the popularity of that road doesn't change the fact that that road is still the road to destruction. Those on it may have many companions for now. They may be able to congratulate themselves and how clever they all are in ditching this belief in Jesus. But they're still heading for a lost eternity. In contrast, Jesus said about the narrow road that only a few find it. Now this doesn't mean that there's only going to be a few people in heaven. It doesn't mean that. In Revelation, John wrote, I looked and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. Heaven's going to be a huge community of God's people celebrating His grace and worshipping in His name. Neither does it mean that we should just be content to be a small church. Or to see a few people come to know the Lord. We're not just supposed to look for small things in our life. And small numbers of people. I think we need to respond to God's heart for everyone in this world. And and respond with passionate commitment to see every man, woman and young person come to know the Lord. That should be our driving purpose as our church. But I think it does point to this very sobering reality that God's people have always been a remnant. God's people have always been a minority in this world. More people have always been outside of God's kingdom than inside. 
the narrow road that leads to life has always been the less popular choice. And so Peter said that followers of Jesus are like aliens and strangers in this world. They don't really fit in here because they don't belong here. They are citizens of heaven and they are called to live by different standards from this world and with different goals. And so what this means for us today is that if we are surrounded by people who don't agree with us, who might criticise our beliefs, who might ridicule our faith or make fun of our standards, then we really shouldn't be surprised or shocked. And certainly neither should we feel that need to retreat, to try and blend in, to try and just go with the flow and hide who we really are. Following Jesus means that we need to be willing to stand out from the crowd. Paul wrote, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. Instead, follow Jesus. And not the majority of this world. Because we are called to be different. And the fact that we are different, and that is very obvious, isn't it, in all of our, our communities where we live or where we work, the fact that that's the case isn't a surprise to God. He knew it was going to be like this. And this is what he's called us to. And so, although in this world we are faced with many choices, the most important choice is a choice between two clear alternatives. When Moses explained God's law to the people just before they crossed over the Jordan, he presented them with this choice. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. And we too are faced with a similarly simple and yet crucial choice. We can choose to follow the crowd or we can choose to follow Jesus. We can enter through that wide gate where anything goes. Or enter that small gate of repentance and faith in Jesus. We can take that easy road of just doing our own thing. Or we can take that difficult road of radical discipleship to Jesus. We can suffer eternal destruction. Or we can experience eternal life. There's only those two options. There are only those two destinies. And this is our personal choice. And for everybody else around. Nobody can make that decision for us. And we certainly can't make that decision for other people. It's an individual choice that we need to make. So I pray that each one of us here this morning that we already have or that we will choose life. That we will choose Jesus. And that we will go out into this world with courage and commitment and present this choice to the people around us. 
that we might see as many as possible choose life. Choose Jesus.